Hello and welcome back to the Proud Horse Girl podcast, the podcast where we chat about what it means to be a horse girl and our experiences in the equestrian world. I'm your host, Annika Stadelweiser, and today we have Tara on the podcast. I've gotten to know Tara in the last year or so. Um, She's a coach of some of my friends, and I've gotten to join her at some horse shows and just get to know her a little bit better. And now, actually, I've partnered with her. Reverse Dye Photography has partnered with her and her business, Overbrook Equestrian. Um, So it's been really nice to get to know her, and I know a lot of the girls on the previous episodes have chatted about her and what an awesome, positive coach and influence she is. So I thought it would be really great to have her on the podcast today. So Tara, why don't you start by telling everyone a bit about you, uh, your horse, and where you are with riding right now. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Well, I actually started riding in three-day eventing competitively at the age of like eight. My mom would drag me around to all the horse shows. And one day I just turned around and said, if you're doing this next year, I would like to do this. So it all ended up with them getting me this 18-year-old pony and started there with uh, Sarah Frosted in eventing. I wasn't quite cut out for that. So <laughs> I moved on to show jumping immediately, grew up riding with Lizzie Jingrass. And then when she went off to do her Olympic dreams, I started under Gareth, who took over Lizzie's company. And we were able and fortunate enough to go over to Europe and I got my first Grand Prix jumper. His name is Brickland and he took me up to the 40 level. And then I started my own company, even though I said I was never going to do anything with horses. Went to university, got a business degree, lasted two weeks in a real job and said that that wasn't for me and uh, started Overbrook Equestrian. I now have a young horse that I'm bringing up. She's currently actually rehabbing, unfortunately. So with her, we're getting her back going. And then I have a few other things going on with other horses, as well as riding client horses on a daily basis. Wow, very exciting. What an impressive journey already. There's so many things to unpack there. But I didn't know you had a, a business degree. I think that must be like an asset to kind of build your coaching program in Overbrook Equestrian. That must be really helpful. Yeah, I made myself go to university. I said that that was very important. So my business degree is uh, majoring in small business management and entrepreneurship. That was kind of what I wanted to do. My parents owned their own companies growing up, and I said I wanted to do that too, but I thought it was going to be in construction, not in horses. (laughs) That's too funny. That's awesome, though. So. Now that you're coaching, and many people, I think, in the local question community will know you primarily as a coach, could you chat a bit about kind of how that came to be and just what inspired your journey into coaching? I guess it would all go back to, like, Elizabeth Gingras. She inspired me. She was everything growing up. It was kind of different than nowadays. Like, when I was younger, we rode six days a week, no matter what showed almost every weekend almost every show like it was a very very competitive program and that was fine I'm a very competitive person and we were a small knit group 
So the idea that Lizzie had was like, no drama. We're all friends. Like it's a small knit group. You guys are a team, but we ended up being more like sisters. Like I'm still friends with those girls today. So Lizzie, I would say inspired me to coach just the way I got to watch her grow from like the meter twenties to the like Olympic level made me very inspired to do what I was doing. Then with the business degree going into coaching, it just all seemed kind of natural. I did coach a little bit when I was in university and I loved it. So then when I stopped for the two weeks, it was just like I needed to get back there. And just the way she made me feel, like the power, the independence she had, she just was a great role model in general. That's awesome. And yeah, it certainly sounds like you're that way for your students when I talk to, you know, Laura and Megan and all those girls. I mean, they they seem to talk the same way about you. So that's awesome that you're able to kind of continue that legacy, I guess, or that way of coaching. So that's really great. Thank you. So being that you are a coach, what would you say is one lesson that you kind of would want all your students to learn with their t- in their time with you? And you would want them all to be able to kind of leave having learned at least this one thing. I think the most important thing to me and learning this throughout my life was that everybody is on their own path, on their own journey. You cannot compare yourself to anybody else. You are doing you. Your horse is different. You are different. You guys will progress at different points and degress at different times. So just acknowledging the fact that you're on your own positive journey and nobody else's influences can really deter that. So I really enjoy that as well as like taking the positives in all situations, whether you're having a really crap lesson and you have to manipulate it into something good. It was a learning situation or I don't know, something bad happened and you have to like power through it and learn that you're stronger on the backside from it. That's very important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great lessons. I I love the positivity. Everything you put out there seems to be really about the positivity and finding the good in things, which is, is really great. I think and an awesome attitude to have with riding because it can it can be frustrating sometimes if you don't remember that. Well, it's 70% mental, 30% physical and like learning to take the positive in all situations and learning from your journeys. It's like it just makes you progress further in life, I think. Absolutely. And so, I guess kind of to come off that question, what would you say has been like the biggest lesson you've learned? as a rider and maybe as a coach as well, kind of from teaching other people. I'm sure that teaches yourself lessons as well. Yeah. So I would think that like powering through, like not giving up, it's very important. It's like whatever it takes. Sometimes you have to cowgirl up to get over whatever situation is going on, I like to say, or like learning patience. Patience is very important, whether it be Um, your horse is having a bad day, you're having a bad day, trying to get through the struggle with clients, like you can tell that they're having some sort of situation that's going on, and you having to try and manipulate the situation to a better thing, and teaching them maybe a different way so that they understand things. It's all about just taking life, really analyzing everything, and trying to make everybody understand into a positive way that they can get going forward again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even myself, like it's, there's constant struggles where you have to stop yourself and be like, okay, what did I do wrong here? 
something needs to change. Like same things, if you're going to a distance to a fence and you're doing the same thing and the same thing and same thing and it keeps going wrong, you have to change something. Yeah, for sure. And I like that too about the the patience, but also the powering through. I mean, it's important to know what, which situations to be patient and to keep track, like, and which situations to kind of, I think they go hand in hand that way. Exactly. Yeah. So I've been lucky enough to be friends with many of your students and to chat with some of them on this podcast. And like I said earlier, they all speak really highly of you. Um, and they seem to view you as a good friend and as a good coach. Um, and I guess you said that that was inspired by your coach, um, Elizabeth, but would you say that was the only thing that inspired you to have this positive attitude towards your coaching or is it just kind of an attitude you have to life in general? Okay. So when it comes to getting myself onto this path, I think it started when I was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was 18 and I had to have brain surgery, long story short. That changed my views on life a lot. It, I never had health issues up to that point. And now I consistently have to be aware of my body and what's going on and all these things to keep going in life. So that was one thing that got me onto this positive attitude of bringing in the positive from the universe, all this stuff. The second thing is my dad got very sick afterwards and he ended up passing away three years ago which is totally fine. He was sick for a while. It was like, I come to terms with it. Anyways, it's just, it takes the toll on you and you have to kind of become like enlightened from it. Like life is going to throw you these curveballs, and you have to take them and do what you please with them. And whether it be, you're going to drown in the sorrows of it, or you're going to take it and use it to your advantage. That's what's most important. And I like to think that I can take them and try and uh, apply them to all things in life. Wow, yeah. I mean, hearing that, I certainly can see kind of how that would impact your attitude about life. And I'm really sorry to hear that both those things happened, but you really seem to have kind of taken, like, taken it and made something positive out of it to kind of impact your attitude about life and to impact other people's lives positively with your coaching. So that's really powerful, I think. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey and there's been lots of up and downs, but hey, that's life and that's riding as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know I think, yeah, riding and just working with these animals, I mean, they can be so unpredictable and you never know what's going to happen and they can be here one day and not here, be here the next or they can be sound one day and not sound the next. So I think riding certainly teaches you to just take life as it comes and one day at a time and make the most of it while you while you have it so exactly yeah well speaking you talked about your dad and you come from an equestrian family um with your parents you said they had businesses and they started overbrook stables so could you chat a bit about this legacy i guess and kind of how it inspired your own journey as an equestrian i know you said your mom was taking you to all the horse shows and kind of that's how you got into it but yeah yeah, she dragged my butt around to all the horse shows. And like with the eventing horse shows, they're kind of all in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I would just screw around at the horse shows because I was still like a child. But uh, yeah, so it started with my 12 2 hands pony named Jimmy Neutron. And he was 18. And <laughs> uh, he would dump me on my head every day. 
<laughs> um, he was just kind of a, you know, a pony, little Satan pony. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when I decided to switch over to show jumping, actually, my parents bought an equestrian facility in the idea that my mom and me could ride more, right? That's everybody's dreams with the equestrian facilities. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. It's a lot of work. So my parents bought this farm. It had an indoor arena. that was small. They put up another arena. We added more stalls. It had a big Grand Prix outdoor ring. It was lovely. It was packed. We had like 40 some indoor stalls. There's like 70 horses on the property. It was insane. And uh, my dad named it Overbrook Equestrian. So that's where that came from. And we had it for about three or four years. And it was just work. It was just work. It's work. And everybody, I know, we all know that horse people were all a little nutty on the side. So everybody has their own ideas. So I think after the four years, after like working day in, day out, nonstop action there, my parents just decided to sell it on. Somebody approached us and that was that. And then I moved over to Lizzie and it was just kind of perfect. It all worked out there. And then I was fortunate enough after riding a few ponies, my parents thought it was hilarious to buy me ponies that were not very broke. Yeah, my my big hunter pony, his name was Pony Cola, and he would also dump me on my head every single ride. But by the end, we were winning all the pony hunters. And it was very competitive when I was younger. And at the last horse show with him, we had just won the like pony medal class or something. And Lizzie said, okay, get off. We're going to go try a horse. And I was like, oh, okay. And they put me on this like crazy Argentinian thoroughbred and maybe jump like a three, six, three, nine Oxford. I'd never done that before. And he would just run at it. He would just full tilt run at the jumps. And Lizzie was like, okay, maybe like try and add a step in there. And I was like, okay. And then he like chip, 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 chip all the way down it and ended up buying him. And he was my first big jumper. He was incredible. I loved him. His name was Achilles. Uh, He's still showing to this day in like the 0.9 meters in Calgary. He's like 22 years old now. So like, that's kind of where it all like came about and how like it all came together. It was an odd, crazy situation. (laughs) And it was stuck in my blood. It's in my blood. It's in my genes. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I always think about owning, you know, an acreage and having your horses at home, but it is like a lot of work. And then you're kind of tied there. You know, you can't, you always have to be there to, yeah, day in, day out, take care of them. So would you say now after having that experience of that facility, would you ever want to go back to owning a facility or are you kind of happy to just work out of other facilities now? I mean, Ashburn is incredible. I love it there. I think I would never personally own one again. Maybe I would manage one, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if like a client bought or built one, maybe, but like I personally would know. Yeah. It's so much work. It's not on my agenda. <laughs> No. <laughs> so what would you say has been some of the biggest challenges you faced as an equestrian and in the horse world in general? Well, I think everybody would agree that money is probably a huge challenge in this industry, how it's all set up. You have to be semi-wealthy to get to certain places and certain goals, which that's a big struggle on a lot of people. I feel like that needs to be more inclusive, you know? 
Yeah. They came up with this idea a while ago and they did this for the university team, which I think was amazing that you would go to these places and they would give you horses and you'd have to ride this horse and compete on it, even though you didn't know it. And I think Mm -hmm. that really breeds a true rider, you know? Yeah. So inclusivity when it comes to money, inclusivity when it comes to all riders being comfortable in their bodies. Yeah. That's a big one. Also, like the bullying in the community. Like I said before, everybody's on their own path. You don't compare yourself Mm -hmm. to anybody else. Nobody should compare you to them. It's just a very hard industry. And we need to make it like a happier place to be. And all in all, like I heard recently, we're we're jumping farm animals over shiny sticks. And (laughs) I love that. That's exactly what it is. That's what we're doing. So like, let's make it fun. It's so true. I know. I think it is a very tough industry. I mean, being that you do have to have some level of money even just to be in the industry and it's primarily female dominated, it can get like the drama can just and the bullying can all just totally. take over. So yeah, I think it's important too to have those conversations because and recognize that these are these are things, these are issues in the community that aren't going to go away overnight. But to talk about them, I think helps at least. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like a mental workload, all of it. Yeah. So my favorite thing is when you go on like Facebook Marketplace or something and you're looking to buy a horse and it just says like mid five figures, like <laughs> just say the price. What does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> I feel lucky that I haven't had to do horse shopping. Like I've had diesel for almost nine years now, but I'm like, wow. yeah, kind of crazy. The day that I have to do look for another horse we'll just like I don't know if I'm ready for that world (laughs) no it's yeah it's a hard one to find the right one right yeah I got very lucky the first time and yeah it was mostly dumb luck I think but no (laughs) don't think I'll be so lucky the second time (laughs) so earlier I guess when you were talking about your lessons you've learned from riding and just in the conversation in general you were talking lots about the different horses and ponies you've had. So I guess I was just curious, what horse would you say has been kind of the most influential for you over your time as a rider? Brickland. He took me to the Grand Prix level. He was everything. I mean, we had our ups and downs. He was not what we expected. I was fortunate enough after my brain surgery to go over to Ireland and Europe and look at horses. And that was like an experience in itself, right? You go there and you try, we went for 10 days. You're not supposed to go for 10 days. You're supposed to go for like four days. So in these 10 days, you try like seven a day. You drive back and forth like three hours this way, three hours this way to try like one horse, right? So you write it down, you videotape, you like make mental notes of everything. But Brickland just ended up being the one that I wanted over there. We thought he was going to be this like, dude that would maybe like you know hit a few rails be okay with it and just like teach me some stuff right he had just come off of a meter 45 junior national championship or something that they had there we brought him back here and he was so different and this is what I tell people when they want horses from Europe is it's not going to be what you think they come here they're ridden differently there it's not the same here so he came here and the first day, I remember my dad saying, oh, he looks like a racehorse. And yeah, it turned out he's a secretariat baby. But he uh, 
we did a lot of work on him. He ended up being very scopey, very sensitive, very hot, and was just a wild learning experience, but it was amazing. We went from the 20s to the 40s really quick. He took me into one of my goals. I got to do the ACO Cup back when it was bigger. Yeah, he was the most influential. And yes, he was not easy. We had ups and downs. We had a stopping phase. We had, <laughs> I remember before the Echo Cup, I swam through a meter 40 oxer and Gareth was like, go take a breath in the corner. And I had to sit there and I was like, pull your head out of your butt. You're going in the ring. It's time to ride. Otherwise you will die. So yeah, he was everything. He taught me to be patient. He taught me to be kind. He taught me to enjoy the ride. It was great. Awesome. Yeah, sounds like a wonderful horse. <laughs> yeah, he was a wild man. <laughs> <laughs> the best ones always are, I think. Oh, For me, yeah. anyways. I love a, a little bit of a hot, or a lot of a hot horse. <laughs> yep, they have character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they build character. That's the thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so what would you say are some of your goals with riding going forwards and... I guess with coaching and even your goals for kind of overbrook equestrian and I, I guess just general goals going forward. General goals is so lately I've been putting myself on the back burner a little bit just to help clients and clientele and I love it. Don't get me wrong. So for overbrook equestrian, I just want to keep this beautiful positive environment that we have and have everybody meet their goals that they want. I make everybody tell me their goals for the season and what their ideas are, and what they think should be good for them. So I love doing that. Um, I just want to stay happy. I want everybody on my team to stay happy, create this like inner peace. Um, for goals for me, I want to get back doing the bigger stuff again, but that's going to take some time and patience with horses and what's going on. And of course, with COVID. And then eventually my big goal is to get into the international ring that's the bigger one now so like even it's the meter 45 in the international ring wow very exciting I hope those all all happen those are big and exciting goals and good goals so that's awesome so I guess just to finish off I ask everybody this question um, do you have any comments about the equestrian community in general? I know we talked a little bit about um, kind of inclusivity with money and appearance and all that stuff, but well, I guess what would be one thing you would want to change or educate people about in the horse world if you could? I think I want to go back to bringing horsemanship, horsemanship back into the sport. You're not just competitors. You're here with your partner. Your partner needs to be taken care of just as much as you. They're athletes. So bringing back the idea of like taking care of your own horse, right? There, yeah, and the technicality of it all. Just, that's very important. It's not just coming to the show, getting on your horse and leaving. That's not building your partnership, right? I feel like that's very important to bring back into the horse community. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember when I was starting riding lessons, I think it was like, Maybe it was once every month or once every couple of weeks, we would do a lesson that was like you didn't ride at all. It was just all on the ground. You just learned like horsemanship skills or you learned something about horses in general, how to take care of them, like that sort of thing. And yeah, I think that's really important to just kind of instill that as you're beginning your riding journey. 
Well, and it's such an amazing outlet for people, like whether it be like you are a competitor or maybe it's even a mental health thing, like mm-hmm. just enjoy being with the animals, not just the riding aspect. Yeah, absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> it's so important. And it is, I mean, we all join this sport to just, or hopefully we all join this sport to have fun and to enjoy it. So, you know, why not do more of that and not make it so competitive all the time, I think. Because we are crazy, proud horse girls. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Very true. Perfect. Well, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media or the internet? And I'm sure lots of people will want to look you up after this conversation. Awesome. My Instagram, my like our Instagram is overbrook underscore equestrian. My personal account is Tara, A-N-K, all one word. And then you can find overbrook equestrian on Facebook as well. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for this conversation. I think it was really awesome. And yeah, I loved getting to hear more about kind of your positive attitude and what inspires that and kind of how you got to where you are right now. It was really, really interesting to learn more about you, I guess. Awesome. And thank you. And thank you guys all for listening. Remember to hug your horse and give them an extra cookie for me and keep on being a proud horse girl.